I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Now arriving on Cultaholic Island ahead of a massive weekend in Newcastle-upon-Tyne for North Wrestling Thunderstruck at the Walker Dome. She is somebody that has taken uh, British wrestling by storm, nay, wrestling by storm, in the past year or so, especially championships up and down the country and a date with Mercedes Martinez, the OG badass, on Saturday. We are talking to the unstoppable Rio. Rio, how you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I want to talk about the journey that Rio has been on. Uh, up and down the country you've spoken very openly about uh, your your wrestling passion and love i want to talk about the big match on saturday against the og badass uh, but ideally i'd like to start with some advice on how one gets into the conga line for no way jose <laughs> the big questions first rio sure <laughs> it must have been my dance move somewhere maybe it's like a instagram story of a night out that i probably can't remember it does have it smacks of a night out uh it's it's an episode of raw from june in 2019 just after the uk tryouts there you are amongst uh nina samuels i think dean Allmark's in there uh, yeah. and a few other ones I'm intrigued just to know, because there were a lot of people that went to the tryouts. How were you amongst those? Uh, second from the back, by the way. Uh, how were you amongst those that were part of the 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 episode of Monday Night Raw? Do you know what? I think um, from like my memory, I'm sure it was, I did a Dave Taylor seminar many years ago, and then I've kept doing them when he comes over. And he's very much one of those where he just wants to see that people are listening and doing what he essentially ask you to do and just seeing how you move and everything like that so I did a few of his seminars and stuff and then he'd just say like oh just send me you know send me some some of your stuff and just fill this link out and stuff so I just did everything he told me to do basically and then here we are then I get an email just saying like oh do you fancy coming down to Raw and well not do you fancy we want you to so if you can yeah but um yeah they just from that really I think it was just from doing a seminar so 
Did you know that you were going down to Raw to be on the conga line, or was that a pleasant surprise on the day? Pleasant surprise on the day. I didn't know anything. So <laughs> when, it, when you get the email, we're just kind of like, we just want, you know, we want you to come down to be part of either SmackDown Raw or whatever it is, and that's it. That's what they leave you on that, and that's it. They don't tell you, like, what you're going to be doing, how long, you know, like, you don't get any details, nothing. And so, and like, I don't even think I knew to like an hour before we went on as well that I was part of it. So it was like even longer suspense that you just sat there thinking, am I doing something, am I not? Like, what's happening? But you had party gear ready. Is it like a lost property box that WWE has for, for the Congo line? Yeah. <laughs> we will talk about other stuff, I promise. I have got questions here, but I just, I had to ask about the Congo line stuff. So is it a property, is it is a lost property box? That you have it to essentially is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a last property box that looks like it belongs to someone in like Ibiza. So <laughs> just pull out some stuff and put an outfit together. Uh, uh, what was the backstage energy like compared to what you thought it would be? Do you know? What? I think because um, a lot of it, it was like a lot of the guys and girls from the Indies, and obviously you are separated to guys over there, girls over there. Like it was, I think it was calming more, knowing like because at the time as well, I was still like Dean was still training me and stuff. So like. I had my trainer there. So for me, I was like, oh, like I felt 10 times better knowing he was there. And then like, say like Nina Samuels and stuff, like I'd already met her a few times at that point and stuff. So I think because I had people I knew, I was like, okay, I was still like, you know, like nervous, like beyond belief and not really daring to look up, look down, look anywhere. You don't want to look in the wrong place. You don't want to breathe too fast, too slow, too loud. <laughs> so it's like trying to make sure that I wasn't doing anything wrong. But yeah, I think because you know people there, it just, it brings you down that little bit, just makes that a little bit calmer. So like the backstage just felt like a backstage at a wrestling show, but you maybe just had to behave a lot more. <laughs> yeah, you've said in, in a previous interview that, that whilst you're waiting in Gorilla, uh, you had eye contact with Vince McMahon, which should have been a contract in itself, really. Uh, <laughs> just, just just to have that moment. Uh, yeah. were, there, were there any other notable faces that you had uh, any kind of interaction with? Um, at that point, no. no Jose, no. obviously, like because, you know, he was the leader of the party. <laughs> <laughs> that's it other than that um don't think the way you know because we were so like kept apart and kept mm. separate i think like oh let me think because that's the one so i've done like a few bits of extra work so i think that actually that one hmm. i don't know if it's that one or not but like doing extra work i've met, I've met shelton benjamin like he was super nice so uh ricochet and mickey james and stuff when she was still there like all these kind of people like you bump into and they're like really nice so that was really cool jimmy so i've met him before and he was super nice to me and so yeah like a few people along the way i bumped into him it's such good fun to see people that you know doing those those extra parts on raw and smackdown you have the leonardo dicaprio gif moment when it happens like the other week when the bloodline were being separated by boisterous behavior man like the recent <laughs> leon slater like okay that's a thing you've done a few bits now um conga line aside has there been a favorite one that you've done um i don't think so no because each time's different and they're like, you know, they're good in their own different ways. So like that one was like a learning experience to be going out there on the cameras and out there in front of like the crowd that are cheering. Cause obviously he's like, his entrance was so big and everyone loved the entrance. So like, you just felt the rush as soon as his music hit and like you felt the atmosphere. But then the other two times I've not really done anything. So I've just kind of sat back and watched and learned different things there, you know, like kind of learned maybe more how to, how to be 
backstage in those ones. So, like, I think they're all been good for their own different reasons. Maybe the conga line is my favorite though, simply because it was my first time and it was a conga line. So <laughs> it's always good fun, right? <laughs> That's all about the conga line. Thank you for passing the conga line test. Uh, we're here to celebrate <laughs> you, and we're here to to find out the matches that you would watch while stranded on a metaphorical desert island. Those three matches that mean something extra special and significant to you. And you were saying just before we started that this has been a bit of a chore to narrow down, mm. hasn't it? It has, yeah. You know, like I think especially, I'll be honest, this year in particular has just been so hard for me to make any decisions like that because like this year, like uh, literally like the first few days of January, I put out my first like highlight reel just saying like this year I was not, you know, I was going to be better than ever and I wasn't going to kind of like sit back and you know just let things go I was like really putting my foot down this year and I really have so it's been a bit of a whirlwind this year so it's hard even just this year the matches I've had this year just to break them down the mind over over the years well in terms of like away from matches that you've had then in terms of three matches that have inspired you as a as a wrestling fan well we can talk about those um and and we can we can ponder some of this. For example, I mean, if if people are in doubt when they do this about choosing what three matches they would have, uh, there's a nice little formula that you can follow. Uh, we can do it today, and it can be what was a wrestling match you remember that really got you into professional wrestling. That could be your first one. Yeah, as as um, I don't think people might think this one. I don't know if you've been given this one a lot. Well, they've not like they got into got into wrestling, but one like I always just love and I always remember is um during the Beth Phoenix and Santino Morella situation. I just loved it when like they was wrestling, like it, the time that them two had the wrestling match after building it up and building it up and he had to face her and he like just the look in his face and like hers. And then obviously how then they, they turned the situation to him being petrified of her, but then also kind of turned her to like him. And then he was still kind of scared, but she's not sure. Like that was one of my favorites. I think I, I used to love watching Beth Phoenix and Santino Morella together when they did the whole, thing that was so good beth is a is a favorite of yours isn't she yeah she is yeah definitely what is it about beth phoenix that that really captures your imagination i think because when i look at like beth phoenix i just think you know she she to me is like a perfect wrestler like she's she's got like this really nice muscular physique she's like like she's still a really beautiful face and i think she just anyone who i think you've ever listened to any like podcast of hers or anything she seems like the most genuine nice person in the world as well but I just I liked how strong she carried herself she dominated and that was all there was to it like I just from the second her music hit even when she hit like the the um pose on the top turnbuckle and then was like kind of back roll off like the top and stuff like I don't know she it's the way she held herself anyone who can hold themselves dominantly is like usually like a favorite of mine like the reason like I love like Paul Nakano as well and then like outside of wrestling I love like Serena Williams in tennis because I just think when someone's got that kind of presence about them I, I don't know like for me that just oh it gets me invested like a dominant presence but I think as well knowing that I was never you know I was never really a girl who's going to be a size six so seeing someone who had a more muscular physique that I thought oh that maybe is more relatable to me that was better because I always like looked at the other women and nothing against them but I just never thought I was always like, oh, I'll never, I'll never look like that. So, you know, I don't know. Yeah, Beth Phoenix was like, I, I can look like that. Like I can have that kind of physique like she's got. Was that something that was quite difficult growing up with? That idea that 
as as you grew up and in, in, in the generation that you grew up, there were these certain standards of beauty that in your head, in your head, you never thought you would fit into. Yeah, no, 100% that. Because it's just like you look, don't you? And like I looked and I was, I was like, as a kid, maybe not so, but is it like you say, as I got older into my teens and stuff, and I still like, you know, maybe I dipped off wrestling a bit when I was a teen, but like I did keep my eye on it and stuff. Sometimes I'd look and I'd just be like, I just, you got, I had that sense of realism. Like, I'm just know that that's not my body size. Like, you know, I have like quite a big bone structure as it is. So for me to think that I would ever be anything smaller than kind of what I am now, really, it's not, it just doesn't suit me. It's not, I'm not saying it's not possible. It's just my frame suits being how I probably am now. Maybe a few little less uh, pounds on body fat, but you know, a girl loves her food and loves a bit of wine every so often and I'm not going to give it up. So, <laughs> you know, but like, I think, yeah, like when you look and you just think, oh, I like wrestling. And I, I love wrestling, but I don't know if I can get to that without looking like said like images. And then like say, seeing Beth Phoenix, who's just so different and more like, you know, Natalia as well was a, like, you know, she always had the muscular physique as well. But like, I think Beth Phoenix, it just showed so much more. I don't know why for me. Um, and again, it's just like the way she held herself. I was like, I feel like that's how I hold myself. But like, even unintentionally, when I was like younger and stuff, I used to love sports. So I think I've just come up really being like really competitive. And I don't realize how sometimes that comes across on an outside perspective of other people. Because they look at me and like, some people go like, oh, are you okay? And I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Why? Like, and I think it's just the way I hold my shoulders or whatever people think I'm about to start something, but I'm just, I think it's just the way I hold myself. You say you're quite competitive as well. Where does that come from? Where does the competitive streak come from? I think just, just generally doing sports. I think um, when I was younger, my mum always like said to me, like I could do whatever I put my mind to, you know, she was always like a very supportive person and always like, if I, if I said to her, like, I want to do ballet, she'd let me do it. If I want to do this, she let me do it. Like, no matter what sport or dance or whatever it is, she always said, just like, give it a try. It might be for you. It might, might not be for you, but give it your 100% and you'll, you know, you'll find out yourself. And then anytime I'd come home and I'd be like, oh, because like growing up, I did a lot of football and I was always playing against the lads because I was the only girl in like the football teams and stuff. Of, like, even if it's like a, a county thing, there'd be like five girls at a county football tournament. So like, you know, being around the lads a lot and sometimes I'd come home and I'd be like, oh, they're faster than me and this, that and the other. And she'd go, you know, my mum would then be like, doesn't matter if they're faster than you. You've got your specialties, they've got theirs, but, you know, you work just as hard as them and keep pushing and da da da. So she, she was always, like, quite supportive and wouldn't let me get into a place of saying I can't. She'd always be like, you can. So, you know, you saying you can't, you're not going to. But if you push yourself and actually try, you probably will be able to do it. So... I think it comes from that is having that background of being like, okay, and then I'd give it a try and funnily enough, be able to do it. And then I'd be like, okay, I can do this. And then, yeah, I think as it got on then and I started, I think when, you, when you're in school and stuff and you start collecting medals and stuff, that was it for me, like certificates and stuff, like first place certificates or a gold medal. Like I hated any time in sports day that I'm now I got a second, I was like ripping it up, could not hack it, couldn't deal with it. It was the worst. And I was like, you need to stop doing that. I was like, no. <laughs> first and nothing <laughs> that competitive energy obviously got you playing football with the lads were there was there any blowback from uh other teachers or the lads that you were getting into or they were just like ah it's rio get in there tackle her take her out you know was it was there any blowback from it or they you were you just right in amongst them all straight in amongst them all yeah i think mm. because 
like especially in the football team back then I was like always like I've always when I was younger had a lot of my friends were the lads because of that as well so because I was always involved in the sports my outside of school friends were the lads so I think they did just see me as oh it's just real you know tackle like you tackle anyone else and then it's like I think not really seeing gender as such they just like go on tackle like it's just they just saw another person I think Maybe if they did tackle me odd times and like it looked like, you know, like a bit of a brutal tackle, they'd be a bit more sympathetic to me than they would to some of the other lads. But for the most part, I think they thought it was more funny to tackle me harder to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> it would become like an actual game. <laughs> it take me out. <laughs> Whoever can take Rio out wins $20,000. There was a Harley That's Race it. style bounty on your head when you played That's football. It, yeah. She's too dangerous. She needs to go. That's it. Maybe that's what it was. So I'm <laughs> like public enemy number one. I've become the biggest target. Uh, your your mum's been your biggest champion. Uh, I believe up. I may it might still be the case now, but up until recently, your mum's phone wallpaper was you coming home with your first wrestling title. Yeah, yeah, it still is. It still <laughs> is. Yeah. Obviously, you know wanted to pursue football and other sporting endeavors like parents you know for the better are always like yeah go and do it wrestling's a very different beast and and as we've said at that time uh there wasn't the the equality that wrestling is currently accumulating was there ever any concern from your mum or was it just a case of go out and do it i think it was always go out and do it and um, yeah. if she did she never expressed it to me right but like yeah from like my standpoint she she was always like well give it a try I think it's one of those that, like, no matter what, like, obstacle someone tries to put in your way, my mum is always a firm believer of, like, just just try and go through it anyway. Like, if you can't get over it, go through it. Simple, like, you know what I mean? Like, she's always pushed me just to do, like, focus on me, keep doing what I'm doing. And if it makes me happy and I want to do it, then nothing will stop me because of the headset that I, like, the mindset and the headspace I get into. So I think for that, she never expressed to me any concern. But I don't know. Maybe it's one of those as well. Because I think because a lot of people outside of wrestling, they don't, they kind of maybe see WWE and maybe now AEW and stuff. And like in the past, like TNA. I don't think like like my family knew about the indies until I got into wrestling. Then like I started telling them about the indies and stuff. So I think sometimes as well, when parents look at it like, oh, it might just kind of be a phase. Because when you look at WWE as a company, you think how many wrestlers there are in the world and stuff. Not that she ever said this to me. But I think in her own head, you were probably thinking, oh, it's a phase. She might do it for a few years or do it for a bit of fun and and that's it. But then not realised how much as the years go on. I mean, say years, even like the months go on. It's like getting more and more, maybe more real to my mum now. Like, oh, she could actually do this now. So if you look over all of your um, social media, it's all wrestling. That's all there is. There's no... Uh, the, the 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 person that isn't Rio doesn't slip through the cracks anywhere. You're hundred percent laser focused on uh, professional wrestling, and and it's that energy and it's that uh, ambition that drives and survives for many of us. Had it not been wrestling, though, Rio, what would it have been? Do you think? Sure, I don't know because I can't. My problem is I get really bored doing like. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people do like I'm nine to five. I've done my fair share of that. And like the whole time I was doing 95s, I was always thinking about wrestling. So if I didn't have wrestling, I don't know what I'd do. Because I, I can't see myself doing the same thing day in and day out and not enjoying it. I, just, do you know what? I probably would work in a bar because I did like pub work for a bit. And I enjoyed that. 
I enjoyed like the outside lifestyle of it. I mean, I was 18 at the time, so there was a fun, a lot more outside life than I could probably cope with now. Probably like not surviving <laughs> if I tried that lifestyle again. But like, I think it's just the whole meeting new people and no day is ever the same when you're working in a pub. You can have like the most random stories from like an elderly person. I had those sometimes I heard like old, at the time it was like old like war stories or like stories from their parents and stuff. Or then like you'll have teenagers that are maybe you know out with their parents don't want to be seen because they're too cool but then you start talking to them and you get them out in the shell you've got kids you know so I think like the most random that you get every age and every person possible and I think because of that it's just more interesting I just don't want to be bored <laughs> I hate being bored I hate having nothing to do it makes me cause trouble when <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you wouldn't be bored if you worked in a lively bar in Preston. I would imagine that there'd be enough there to keep you to, to, to keep oh. you far, you know, very very amused. Uh, oh, depending on the bar that you land in, any 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 incidents in the bars that you've worked in, or has it all been quite quite placid? All been quite placid, to be fair. But like my my family know quite a lot of people around like Pembroke and Preston anyway, so I think a lot of people kind of knew me. So mm. I was always all right. And like <laughs> like I say, it's ridiculous because. Sometimes like, I go out my mum and I'm like, how do you know this person? She's like, such a person from around here. Like, every person she knows, I'm like, how do you just know these people? So then because of that, I'd get a lot of people being like, oh, I know your mum, I know your mum, I know you. And then, so then eventually, if they don't know my mum, they know my auntie, they don't know my auntie, they know my nan. So a lot of people were fine with me. Um, there was only like one, there was a, a pub called The Sumpton near me. And I was, at the time I was probably about 10. And I was, uh, we were playing on one of the, you know, the games that you used to play when you like, you put like a quid and you could play like Monopoly and it was like questions. So not a yeah, bandit. Yeah, they, they were like, they were, they were shaped like bandits, but they they had the electronic screen on and there'd be like a deal yes. or no deal one on there. That sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, them like kind of fun ones. So me and um, another lad whose parents used to go in the pub as well. So like, in this pub was like a very family pub. If you were a regular, you got a look. As soon as you walk through the door, everyone's like, and who's this? What do you think this is? <laughs> you know, so they kind of got that. And we were like knelt on a stool, like playing on this game with each other. And these, the, the, um, the game machine was near the pool table. And these lads, for whatever reason, kicked off with each other and started fighting near the pool table. And they knocked into us. So we went flying off this stool, both of us. We were both all right. Like we were only a knock and it was an accident. But like, it was like one of those moments where time stood still because I, like, I just remember looking up and as I did, it was like slow motion. All like the pub <laughs> turned, like ran towards us two got picked up and dragged off and then the, the lads playing pool. I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> They've not been guys. seen since. <laughs> this is it. It was like, we were like the pub kids, you know what I mean? So like we were like, everyone's, like everyone was always looking at us and being like, there's only like a few kids that go in and be the official pub kids. And seeing us get knocked off, everyone was like, "Nah, that's out of order. That's it. Get them out." <laughs> Obviously, like where you like where you live, like just outside of Preston, um, it's not a massive town. Uh, so, are you now a bit more notorious, famous, infamous there for the the journey that you're on in the world of wrestling? Do you know, I don't think so because again, like I say, because my mum knows so many people, my family knows so many people. I am. Um, I pretty much know a lot of people around me. Again, like it's not a big place. So anyone who knows me, it's usually just because of my family. <laughs> Odd times. I think because I don't wrestle in Preston as much anymore. And I think these the people usually that watch wrestling in Preston, you'd be the odd ones that know about the indies, but for the most part, again, are the people that would just know WWE or 
whatever. So I think because I don't actually wrestle in Preston anymore, people kind of even knew me from my times that I did or know my family. So I don't feel like my, uh, I don't feel like I'm infamous for anything too much. Well, I'm not in Preston anyway. So. Well, you started wrestling in Preston because uh, it, it, it came to pass that a wrestling school opened up in Preston that you uh, that you reached the point where you went, this is it, I want to go and give it a try now. Uh, from when you walked through the door on your first day of that wrestling training, how different was it compared to what you thought it would be? So different. Yeah. <laughs> so different. I thought it'd be easier. I don't know why I thought that, but I did think it would be easier. And that was a harsh reality. And I thought, you know, I think because you're surrounded by so many people go, no, wrestling's fake. So mm. I thought, oh, I'll be all right. Took my first back bump and I thought, oh, God. <laughs> you I'm going to, to die, mother. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a mistake. <laughs> and then instead, I was like, oh, God. I'm like, did you tuck your head? And I thought, I tried. I thought I did. I quite clearly did it. I didn't knock myself out. My back was killing me. I mean, I left that training session. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> Everything, every part of me hurt. And I thought, this is not what they show you on WWE. <laughs> I thought I'd be. I thought I'd be a superstar by now. Me pyro, me entrance. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you. I think a lot of people walk into that first day wrestling training, going, "I know what my theme music's going to be. I know what my finish is going to be." And then they take a back bomb and go, "Nah, forget it. I'll do something else. I'll do anything That's else." What made, no, what, I'm not doing what made you go back though? What made what made day two happen? I think it's that thing in me that I just like I can't. I find giving up on something really like insulting to me. Like if I feel like if I have to give up, I'm like, ah. I feel, I feel like it's beat me and then that competitiveness then kicks in and then I'm like well that just sucks like beginning I think because I was kind of in a really weird way enjoying it as well so I thought if it because like it's something if I'm not enjoying it then I'll just straight up like I'm not doing it because I'm not enjoying it but if I'm enjoying it but I find it difficult that's when I'm like well if I give up that's just me being soft like that's just that's annoying to me so I kept going back and thought, no, let me just have one more. So let me see. I think in my head I was thinking, please get bored. Please don't like it. <laughs> You're arguing with yourself in the hope that you'll convince yourself that this is boring and we need yeah. to go back and do something. We need to find a we need to find a, an angry bar job somewhere. We need to yeah. see if the subs are hiring. We need to go and do anything else. <laughs> That's it. I need to do something like that. But the passion stayed and we're talking here now and we'll move on to other parts of your career. But let's let's choose a second match to watch on a desert island. So Beth Phoenix and Santina Morella, that is yeah. coming with us. Um, you you speak highly of Bull Nakano, another legend of yours. If you were to take a Bull Nakano match with you onto a desert island, is there one in particular that leaps out at you? It's all... For a long time, it was always, I used to love like Bull Nakano and Alundra Blaze, but I think though, when you look at like looking at more of a wrestler and stuff, I think like Bonacano and Manamitiota, like I'm like, oh, go on, take that one. They're just crazy. Like how either of them two even actually walk, I don't even know. <laughs> like I cannot even tell you like how that is like a scientific mystery, and like I just don't get it. But I think that one definitely. Uh, how did you come to discover Bull Nakano in the first place? Was this was this matches that we shared online? Was it a tape trading thing? How did you discover it? I think um, it was in training. I was just kind of being like, oh, what can I do? What can I do? And it was like suggested to me that like people that I could watch and stuff and maybe take inspiration from. Because I was saying like, oh, like I like Beth Phoenix and stuff. So is there any more people like maybe that I don't know of that people thought, you know, could help me out? And, like a few people was like, oh, you should watch Paul Nakano then if you, you know, that might be a bit more your style. Like, like people would say, oh, it's very different to what Beth Phoenix does, but you also see some similarities at the same time. Um, 
so yeah, like then I went home that night and I like Googled like YouTube Paul McCartney and I was like, wow. <laughs> and this just opens like a whole new thing in my head. So <laughs> yeah, so from there. With Bull, with that match in particular, uh, Bull Nakano, Manami Toyota, is there a, a moment from that match that particularly stick, sticks in your brain? When we talk about this match, in your head, do you picture a particular moment from that match? Not particularly. I think because it's so, it's just so brutal all the way through. I know definitely I like at the start when she's like drop kicking her like four times and she's just stumbling and each time when the knee's up and she's, drop kicking again and it's like each time she does it she's just getting a stumble you're not even getting like you're not even getting her to a knee she's just stumbling back and I think he's like like I like the drive and determination and like the, she is firing them drop kicks with everything she's got and it's still like she's just barely moving so I do like the way they started it is just being like you know you've got quite clearly someone who is like small and powerful still but when you've got someone like Bolnacano size and she just she's up again and you can just see the attempt the attempt the attempt and like oh but like no, I love the whole match and like when you look at like Bully Connell's leg drops and stuff, and I just think like that that hurts my hips looking at that. Like <laughs> from a top rope or from a top of a cell or whatever she's in, like no fear goes for it. Crazy. Sh- I wasn't surprised actually when I heard you in another interview talking about Bull Nakano because from from you know, you know, we work together at North Wrestling on the regular and being up close and be able to see what you do. I see that inspiration. I don't see theft. I see the inspiration from uh, from a Bull Nakano in the way that you work. And is that a fair comment to make that there's been inspiration from Nakano to for your style, Rio? Definitely, yeah. Oh, thank you. That's made my day. That <laughs> um, yeah, definitely because I think it's obviously been again, a rubbish day, like... and I apologise for that. <laughs> no, no, good day, actually, but you just made it down. <laughs> um, I definitely think that's fair because, like, like I said, I don't, as much as people can inspire me, I don't want to be the next someone. I don't want to be Beth Phoenix number two. I don't want to be Paul Card number two. I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be any of those things. I want to be me. Like, I, I want people to look and be like, oh, that, that's a real thing to do or whatever. You know, I want my own mannerisms. I want my own characteristics. I want people to see me but then like the things that I see in like the women like I said before like the being able to hold a ring the dominance the presence that's the things where I'm like I want you to be able to see the other people but then how I do it because how Beth Phoenix holds the ring to how Paul Nakano holds the ring to how I do is although similar like you say it's still very different and that's what I like is that we can have one point that you can have a few examples of but then also it's not the same thing if that makes sense it does. Um, it might be a really short answer to this question, but we'll ask it anyway. Why Rio? <laughs> so it was my nickname as a kid. Right. And it's yeah. just stuck. Yeah. So, so basically it was my nickname as a kid. And then I had gone to help out and I was still training and it was like their show and they needed another girl. So they were like, right, well, you're on tonight. I need you. And I was like, well, I haven't really got anything. You know, like I've not, I've not got anything. And he was like, right, what's your name then? I was like, oh God. And just panicked. So I just said my childhood nickname. <laughs> and there it is. But that's how these things happen sometimes, isn't it? You go from naught to 100, you could be helping out on a show. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, the, 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 
you know, I said I wouldn't mention it again, but I can't help myself. It's the No Way Jose Conga line thing all over again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I said I wouldn't mention it again. But uh, but it's the idea of like being just, okay, we need someone. You ready to go? Ready to go? Put that on. Off we go. And, and that's what it was early on. And it was a lean back to, to a, a childhood nickname. In hindsight, you know, because you made the decision dead quick. Was mm-hmm. Would there have been another name that you might have gone for? Is this something that you've considered workshopping? It is, and it's not, because like, I do think I'm comfortable with Rio because of having it for so long in my life. Um, But obviously at the time, I wasn't really too aware of Rio, which does cause a lot of like confusion and problems. And I wouldn't thought it would because last time I checked, we looked quite different, but you know. <laughs> People still get us confused. I'm not sure how. I mean, I go, it's the same four letters, but in a different order. They're actually pronounced differently, but nobody cares. <laughs> and yeah, I'd like to think, you know, if what we did look different, but, you know, maybe I'm a bit confused myself. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a conversation that's happened where people have gone, oh, I'm getting you mixed up with, with Rio rather than Rio. It, it doesn't, the conversation doesn't really happen too much. Um, like verbally it's online like i'll look and i'll see a notification and i think aw and i'm looking i'm like oh of course of course <laughs> yeah you didn't mean me i get it i'm just saying you 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 potentially make a rod for your own back because uh you have uh i be- is it the japanese for riho next to riho yeah but, but then i did that but like the japanese fans find me on things when i went over to japan and then i think yeah i think i've just made it 10 times harder for myself yeah. <laughs> why not i know japan was something that a bucket list item you were really keen to tick off for a while um yeah are there are there further plans to do more of that not there's nothing uh solid at the minute i'm hoping so but um the way tokyo josh pro are they they don't really it's not like a kind of let you know, we'll have you back in six months, four months. They don't kind of let you know, they'll just message you as and when. I think, because I think because they're dealing with so much, like I didn't realise until I went there that whenever any of their girls go out as well, they're obviously trying to sort help sort their visas out and help while they're in other countries as well, you know, if they're struggling with the language barrier and stuff. So they're always kind of on hand to help all of the girls. Um, also training the current girls who've got, the, you know, they train during the week and stuff and then, traveling to the shows because japan like you know some of their shows can be four hours away on a coach 12 hours away 20 hours away like i think because they've got so much to do and then some of the bigger shows they might um with tokyo josh pro coming under the cyber fight umbrella they might then have like ddt involved and nowhere and stuff like that so i think because they've got so much to deal with it's kind of a right yeah let's get let's get someone in on this show so then they'll message around and go okay are you free on this brilliant I don't know if there's a necessarily like um like I don't feel like anything's personal when I go over there. It's not like maybe not that they wanted me in particular, but I think they wanted maybe a a, a strong girl from England or the, the UK or whatever to go over. I think England more so probably again with a language barrier because they struggle to understand me. I think with the northern accent. I was so going to ask whether that, that was, was an additional <laughs> roadblock because it's one thing with the English accent. The other one is also having the the uh, the, the 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 northern twang as well. <laughs> Yeah, that was a bit like there's some things that like, I'd say and then they'd say it back to me and I think, is that how I sound? <laughs> is that what I, <laughs> I got really confused. I was like, mm, that's not what I meant. Okay. 
In ter- but in terms of that experience for Tokyo Joshi Pro, I mean, if you're going to have a match, make it a match where you team with Maki Ito. Like, what, what, a, what a persona to work with. Tell me about it, yeah. 100%. And I think because our characters are just so different in the way we are, it's like the tag team that you just didn't know you needed. Because we're just so different. <laughs> How did you find... I mean, obviously, the language uh, and dialect barrier was one thing, but in terms of sort of uh, building a match and putting on a show, how was that different from the experience that you've had already? Wasn't it? Do you know what? It, it weren't too bad, to be fair, because I think what massively helped is I got um, a Wi-Fi box from the CyberFi office. They gave me a Wi-Fi box. So anytime I was trying to tell them something and I didn't want to just like practice it on them, you know, like, power drive, boom, and then I put them through the floor. Um, <laughs> Like I'd, I'd Google Translate first and be like trying to figure out the words and stuff for them. Like, so then I'd be like, okay, what? In my head, then I was thinking, what is it that I'm trying to tell them? Because then I had to really simplify it in English to myself to then try and tell somebody else if I'm trying to tell them something. And I think I can't even work it out in my own head now. So I got so confused what I was trying to say because it, it'd say something, then it'd be like half right. So then I was like, no way, no way. I don't know, questioning myself, but like, for the most part, like the wrestling words, I think because like suplex and things are so, you know, lariat, pile driver, so on and so forth. Because they're so widely used, it's just a case of like identifying which one, you know, like, so they were a bit easier and stuff. And I must admit, like the girls at Tokyo Josh Pro all are actively learning English, and <laughs> which puts us to shame. So, you know, they are all actively learning English. So it wasn't as hard as... I anticipate. And there's also um, Kamiyu, uh, Yuki Kamifuku. She is very good at English because I think her parents moved to America when she was a teenager and stuff. So she's pretty fluent. So if anything ever did got like get super confusing, she was there or like Shota who picked me up from the airport the first time and stuff. He was very good with English because he's been with DDT. He talks to like Chris Brooks a lot. Chris Brooks is very good at Japanese and so is Drew Parker. So if I ever again struggled Either way, I had quite a few people that could at least get me by, but it, it wasn't as bad as I was expecting, to be fair. It's, it, it shows a real sign of, of how things have grown because you'll hear stories from grizzled veterans who went to Japan. It was just like, we just knew, or like, I, I learned Japanese or whatever. And you've just gone, put a Wi-Fi box and use the translating app. Like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just it just cuts out the middleman and go let's technology's our friend there's no point trying to you know doing charades i haven't got time for that we're trying to put a match together i don't want my one hand signal to be completely different to yours and then we end up colliding and bashing heads or something you know like i hope in my eyes i was like i want i want this to be a clear understanding of what we're doing here. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to, to WWE, once again, I want to just touch back on this, if this is okay. Not the conga line. We're done with that. We're done with that. We've parked that. We've definitely <laughs> parked that. Uh, but, but, but in the days leading up to that, you were being deep part of, a, of an NXT tryout. Something interesting that you said, and I think this is quite indicative of maybe quite a few people on the British scene until NXT UK came along. And you were very open. You've been very honest about it. And you said, um, I'm paraphrasing, you're like, I went to this performance center tryout under the mindset of i think i'm ready i think they'll have me and it blew your mind how much you didn't know yeah definitely did did it sting a little bit when you when you realized actually i'm not as far along as i thought i was being so being so competitive as well yeah definitely at that point like because i think in like say you've got to have belief in your head i mean I'm not, I weren't going into it like, you know, being like 100% going to get signed. So that, that's no problem. I don't really have that in me. But like, you know, I was thinking I'm going to do well. That's like a, that's a nice, like, happy medium for me. And then we were doing stuff and I just thought, are you kidding me? <laughs> I can't do this. You know, and it'd be like the odd things that like, you know, if it was talking and stuff. And I think at that point it made me realize the first tryout I did, the all women's one, that I didn't know who I was as a wrestler. And that that dawned on me massively. So that stung because I thought I was getting there with it. And then that literally just sent me right back to the drawing board. Because I was like, I have no idea. Like, what am I doing? Who am I trying to be? Because it's not working. And that was like the realization is that I think I went into it trying to be something, even though I don't know, I didn't know what they wanted. But I was trying to be something they wanted instead of being me. And that was like a whole thing. And then you're just doing stuff. And I'm like, I just yeah, no, I need to go and like start again with this because this is not, this is not happening. It comes from that desire to go, right, I need to progress to the next level now. So, all right, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to be? I'll do that. Yeah, that's fine. But then you, you lose that spark that's, that's truly you. Uh, mm-hmm. and, in, and in, Or in your case, you never really managed to find it. And it was good that you had that moment there um, surrounded by you know the great and the good by William Regal and such to make that mm-hmm. happen there's a wonderful photo of you on wwe.com which has William Regal chatting to you uh, very animatedly um what was he talking about in the picture I think like from what I remember it was he was expressing to me what I then from that moment learn and it was it was him in particular because he did say to me he's like you know no offense but like how I see you I wouldn't want to meet you down like a, like you know in the dark in the back alley because you'd probably kick me head in he was like, okay, that's how I yeah he said oh you know like lost me I wouldn't want to meet you down like a dark alley at night you know what I mean like I was like fair enough he's like you probably kick my head in this six foot odd guy telling you this I was like okay that's how I hold myself so that's fair enough um and he was just saying like just don't be afraid to be more like you know be more you in that way he's like you know you've got like the things like the braids and stuff which can really add to your look and 
you know he's like he, he was saying like the way I stand and the way I walk he's like I, by the looks of you I don't think it's intentional but if you can make it intentional it's going to amplify it for the bigger crowds and stuff and it'll make it you know it's the small things that I wasn't realizing that he then kind of you know opened my eyes to and again this is again what comes with the holding the ring he's like I'm like you should stand in there and hold it firmly the way you are as a person he's like like I think the problem is outside of Rio gets in sometimes or it did at that point like now he said it's not even just social media now I'm so dialed in with who I am wrestling wise that as soon as I walk through that curtain it's real 100% from start to finish but when I was when I was newer it wasn't it was me like actual outside of wrestling me coming through and I think them cracks were what he was trying to say like just try not to let them come through because you've got this persona that you can work with but then all of a sudden this smile comes on your face or your eye you know the way you look with your eyes it just kind of ruins everything that I built so I think he was just kind of saying basically like you've got this go and work on it like keep this as it is because it's great work on it and build yourself you know like build something from there so it was really positive to be fair it was it was um a time that I like you know figure out who I am so and run with it now obviously the world shut down a short while after that and then we all had a lot of time to figure out who we were and since you've come back and since we've all come back you can see that change in what you do uh, I do believe that Rihanna McDonald stays at home now and Rio yeah. comes to Newcastle. Like, I believe that now yeah. more than ever, which I guess is what you're aiming for now, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Because, like, again, it comes to the evolution thing. Like, I, I am always wanting to evolve and be better. I, I, even after every match, I want to be better than the last, you know? Like, it's a constant thing. But I did notice, like, for me, I was like, yeah, I'm letting, I'm letting two versions of me intertwine and not in the way that they should so I need to like you like say leave one at home and you know it's like like a job I need to be who I am at this during these hours this is who I am and then when I step through that thing I'm back I can be back to be me again but when I go through there I need to be the you know was not even back to being me because now actually now I've really like sat back and looked at it and I've had a lot more time I've come to realize that I think when people say like like who your character is in wrestling and like dial it up by 10 and stuff, I like always used to confuse me because I was like, what does that mean? Like, you know, who you are, but turn it up by 10. And I thought, well, well, I like sitting at home with my dog. I don't know how I'm supposed to transcend that into <laughs> dialing up by Really <laughs> big dogs. <laughs> big dogs everywhere. More dogs at wrestling shows is definitely necessary. Ah, that's a great idea. Although, although the last dog I saw at a wrestling show was Cody Rhodes' dog, Pharaoh, and he looked terrified when the fireworks went off. Oh, I bet. Yeah. More dogs at wrestling shows with no pyro. That yes. Yeah. Well, we don't have any pyro, but we'll have more dogs. But it's weird, though, yeah. because the idea of like, oh, who you are dialed up to 10. But for you, it's not. It's because who you are, as you say, as, as William Regal advised you, it's a weird bit of advice to say you dialed up to 10. That's It's not like a... It's it's not this one size fits all advice because for you mm -hmm. it's a case of well no I need to be a different version of me and I need to like Google Maps zoom in on that part of me rather than yeah. be all of me but bigger yeah and that's kind of what you've been and, and that's what it's been since you've come back have you noticed that since that bit of advice and since you've come back have you noticed 
the the groundswell that you've had or is it because you're in it you may not notice it i don't think i've noticed it till this year in particular like last year i kind of think i don't know i think i was just thinking oh in my head i was thinking oh well with covid like lingering around all the time i was like i hope i don't get shut down again because i never in my life imagined that i would be able to wrestle because something like covid you know like i didn't up until covid i didn't think that was possible for your government just to shut you in like that (laughs) (laughs) it caught us all off guard to be honest yeah Yeah. like what a weird memory that is now isn't it like just to think that like we were all sat at home and then they were like right you can't leave your house and you thought no They'll write about that in textbooks and we'll go, yeah, we were there. We just all got told, go home. And yeah. then here's some money in and your account. I'm like, oh, okay. So, weird. This is it. Only go to the shop if you need to. Then I, then I felt like I was going through an airport. You know when you're going through an airport, you know you don't have drugs on you. <laughs> yeah. But then you're like, yeah, I don't have anything to offer explosives. But then it just start acting guilty. So I was in the shack. I was like, I do need to be here. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> I need this bread, damn it. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I'm glad you get that though. Just an aside, I'm glad you get that with airports too, because I walk through an airport and I go, "Oh, what if I've what if I've accidentally smuggled drugs up my bum and <laughs> and, and and I've forgotten." You do, don't you? Like, why do you need to? I definitely haven't. I don't have hats in my bag. I go, I definitely haven't, or have I? Yeah. Oh, no. I'm not sure now. But was it on my list? I don't know. I might have, let me see, yeah, shampoo, sun cream, drugs. Oh, God damn it, they were on. Oh, uh, no, not again. But it, was, but it was a weird time, and and we've all come back from it a little bit frayed around the edges, but for you, you've just, it's 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 been phenomenal to watch you rise, and, and as part of North Wrestling, you've you've been on this this incredible run of success. The, the, the winner of the first NCL Cup in Newcastle. I know, obviously, you're Northwest strong. You are from the other side of the Pennines to us, and it's fine. But does, <laughs> does it sound fine? It's fine, fine. whatever. <laughs> but has Newcastle become a bit of a second home for you, Rio? Of course, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, there's like two places now at the minute that I can confidently say like I feel people are with me and I like I feel like a family and I feel like I feel them with me in my matches and that is North and that's ICW so Newcastle and Glasgow are literally now becoming like home for me as well like home away from home because I don't don't know I don't feel out of place there I don't feel uneasy like in my matches I feel confident and I feel energized when I'm there like I can turn up to North or you know, wherever and be like, oh, you know, the drive, the people who can't drive on the road have wound me up the whole time. Road rage has come out. So I've come in. I'm like, well, God's sake, who lets certain people drive? But then, like, just being at North and stuff, and I'm like, I, like, I come out of North 10 times happier than I came in. Because, a lot, you know, like I say, a lot of the time in the long drive, you're always going to come across a lot of road rage and stuff. But then I just get in and it's the good vibes with the good people and, you know, that goes from everybody, from other wrestlers to referees to, you know, crew to fans to the people that work at Anarchy Brew. Like, everyone's just on that level of good people. And, it, you know, when you've got so many good people in one room having a good night at the wrestling, well, it can't be any better, can it? You know what I mean? It really can't. come out smiling. You can't miss the TJ's pizza oven as well. You know, them guys, they crack in. So we, everyone has a good laugh and it's all good. So, yeah. <laughs> It's our way of apologising for the journey because if you don't live in the UK, basically Newcastle is you start in say like somewhere central like London, 
and then you go you go up 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 you hit yorkshire you go up 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 you hit durham you go up you go up then you're newcastle yeah it's always you get to kind of yorkshire and you think we must nearly be there now and you go no no couple more hours we're at the top of the country but a couple more hours it feels like a lifetime when you're driving sometimes because for some reason sometimes north like newcastle can feel can it's not but it can feel further than glasgow i don't know if that's just the motorways that we that we have to take or the way like the route is but like sometimes i feel like glasgow i'm literally start at preston a few hours i'm in glasgow and it's like pretty much the same road but then newcastle like oh i think newcastle's a little bit more off to the side than glasgow i think glasgow is a bit more from preston I mean, I got a D in geography, but I think Glasgow is a bit more of a of a, str- of a of a more direct route, whereas Newcastle, you got to go slightly off to the to the east a little bit, and it's yeah, so it does feel a bit like that. But the apology is a, a nice night at the wrestling, at the very least. No need to apologise because it's always <laughs> it is always a good night at North. So one hell no, of a no one. Apologies needed. Oh, that's that's good to know. One hell of a one coming up on Saturday, which we're going to talk. Uh, the absolute arse off in a second, but let's get your third and final match. So we've had uh, Beth Phoenix and Santina Morella. Uh, we've had Bull Nakano against Manami Toyota. Um, a third and final match. This can be a, a guilty pleasure match that might not necessarily back at what you, you love about wrestling. It can be one of your peers at a banger match that you've seen them have live. Um, it can be a WWE match or an AEW match that, that resonates with part of what you do. Um, and anything that maybe from your peers that you have loved watching? See, it's always hard because, like, I love watching all my friends as well. And I think, like, all my friends do have bangers. So I'm like, oh, God, pick one from one. Um, do you know what? I think simply because I know, like, the match itself was, like, you know, typical banger. But I think because I know how much it meant to her as well, um, Lizzie Evo and Mickey James. Yeah. I think that one, that one for me, I was like, oh, yeah. And it was like, she, again, she's just one, like, she knows where she's from. She's unapologetically her and it works. You know what I mean? So seeing her go against someone like Mickey James, I was like, oh, yeah, go on, go on, have it. <laughs> uh, that's, that's one that, uh, again, when the world shut down and came back, uh, Lizzie Evo is another one that came back uh, as a force of nature and, and really started lock it into who she was and what she was about and and it paying dividends right up to that match with mickey james i know that you and lizzie uh are, are good friends sometimes better enemies but did you guys talk much in the run-up to that match sort of what was how was lizzie's temperature going into that match with mickey do you know what? like didn't really talk too much about it. like i just know she's like she's another one like doesn't settle for just like average or doesn't settle for you know like mediocre she's she's always one of those who pushes harder, whether it's the gym, whether it's wrestling, whether it's herself as a as a human being and stuff like we're like I think that's why we get on so well is because we're so similar in the things that we see and how we feel and what we believe and things like that. Um so she was just like, you know, it I think very much how like me and Mercedes are gonna be, it motivated her to to try even harder than she already does anyway. But because you know like fine well that you've got this vet coming in and you know, Mickey called Lizzie out, Mercedes has called me out. Like, of all the girls that they could choose when they come over here, they've chosen us for a reason. And now we need to prove why, why, you know, we're two of the girls that have got the highest amount behind us when it comes to matches, you know, when it comes to anything like social media wise, like who would you like to see 
or the one that was recently who'd want to see face Sasha Banks from a few months ago. And like both of us were saying that it, our phones would not stop all day with the notifications coming through. And our names were pretty much together in every list from the different, you know, fans or wrestlers or whoever. And it's that thing of we're now the people that when you've got a, a veteran coming over, an import coming over, like an import veteran coming over, it's girls like Lizzie, it's girls like me that are people like, you know, they're either calling us out or putting us forward to face them. So I think it just it lights that fire a bit more under you. So I think she was she was determined and very much like I am with Mercedes. It's like, no, nah, I'm going to show you exactly what I've got to offer, what Brit Brit has got to offer. And, you know, you can take that back to the States or whatever and go and tell, go and tell all your mates as well. Uh, that match with you and Mercedes Martinez, uh, Ring of Honor and AEW's Mercedes Martinez goes down this Saturday at the Walker Dome for North Wrestling Thunderstruck. We had Mercedes Martinez on this very show last week and we asked her about you. And she talked about recalling you being part of her training seminar with Alundra Blaze, another pick mm -hmm. from your uh, for your Desert Island match, for your Desert Island Graps today. And she was, in her words, in her words, Rio, uh, she said she hit a home run in terms of at the training and at the seminar. What are some of the things that you took away from that? Because you, you, you drank in the advice from William Regal at NXT. Is there things that Mercedes parted, imparted upon you that have stayed with you? Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, something that whether she'll remember and I'll use against her on Saturday, I think it was the always go into like your wrestling matches, just go into it with everything you've got, like, like violence wise, strength wise, don't back down to anyone, you know what I mean? You're going in there to fight everyone. Don't give them anything less than 100%. And I think that's something she said when she called me out is that, you know, she's always on her A game. So she hopes that I'm on mine. And I think it's the fact that she's like, um, I don't care what you're doing, where you are, how many wrestling matches you've had, or even that weekend, if you've got something before or after, whatever, don't come to me with any excuses. Come to me with you at your best. If you lose, you know, the better woman won. Either way, the better woman wins. But like, if you lose, just lose, you know, lose with sportsmanship going down. You know what I mean? You lost, that's it. There's nothing worse than, you know, wrestling and then, you know, I get it from I imagine for her point that she wrestles me and I'm like, well, oh, but but like a, a twinge my shoulder. So, you know, you didn't really win. <laughs> you know, you don't want to hear that. She wants me at my best, and that's exactly what she's gonna get. And I too want her at her best, because then you know fine well that in there, when you beat that person, you beat them at the best. There is no excuses, there is nothing, no one can say anything. That's how it went down, you know. You put the uh, you put British wrestling on your shoulders. Uh, you've had a breakout year and a half, not just at North, but across the industry as well. Uh, and you do so with, as we've discovered during our chat, an unapologetic, passionate, uh, competitiveness, competitive spirit. Uh, if I'm second place, I rip up the certificate. This isn't good enough. Is there pressure with all that from you? And if so, how are you? How are you? concentrating that pressure do you know what there is and i think that's something that i'm getting used to this year in particular again like i said i've had a lot of i've had a lot of big wins i've had a lot of big opportunities and i've like again it's the busiest year i've ever had and i say that every year thankfully i'm luckily you know i can i'm lucky enough to say that but i'm also at the same time working hard enough that i should be saying that without coming across vain like 
you know, I do put a lot of work into what I do. And I think like, again, my body's in the best shape it's ever been in. I'm the strongest I've ever been. I'm the fastest I've ever been. Mindset wise, again, I'm the strongest I've ever been with that as well. Cause I've really like dialed it in and, you know, took my time to figure out what, I, what I want and how to get there. So I do, I do definitely still feel the pressure now. Cause I'm, like, I know for a, a lot of fans, like say like at North or ICW and it's like, I feel them when I'm wrestling and I, I don't want to let them down. So like, I can, you know, when I'm doing my stuff, I feel it. And it, it is one of those, I'm like, right. They motivate me even further than I already was. But I think also you've got to have a good support system around you. You know what I mean? My, like my family will always support me in what I do because I'm lucky enough to have that family. Like I say, especially my mum, who regardless of what I do, she's always supporting me as long as, you know, as long as it's legal and stuff, she'll, yes. <laughs> she'll always support me. Um, but like inside of wrestling, so people who understand like the wrestling more, having a circle of friends and stuff that you can really depend on to be brutally honest with you and, that you know you can fall back on and you really like you truly know that because it's one of those I don't want to go off on like a depressing thing but like one of those that sometimes you know with people you can think that you're they're your friends or that they're going to support you but when you start getting to the higher levels or you start achieving more success are they still with you or have they dropped off a bit you know are they not wanting to you know have anything to do with it and I'm very lucky that I have got a very I think for when I say close friends, I've got a small group of very close friends. I've got a slightly bigger group of close friends. And then, you know, then it goes on to like friends, work colleagues, and then people, you know, but my close and very close friends is very, very strong. And I think that is so important in something like wrestling. It is so, so important to have people that you really can depend on. Like sometimes it's, you know, it's having a match and I'll go, like, what did you think? And they'll go, well, you didn't hit as hard as you usually do. You didn't do this like you usually do. And it's that brutal honesty that I appreciate from them. They're not going to go, yeah, it was, it was good. Because I'm, you know, because I'm their friend. They're like, mm, you could have done this, but you did this. You could have done that, but however you did this good. And it's the feedback is always constructive. It's always coming from a place of love and a place of I want you to be better. And then when they're supporting me, I can feel it as well. I can hear them most of the time, <laughs> but um, I feel it as well. So I think having that is just, it's amazing. So if, if people don't have that, whether it's wrestling or not, I'd always, you know, one thing I'd advise is find people, find a circle that is going to support you like that because it really, it does help. It's good, it's good to be strong on your own, definitely, but it is also nice to have be strong and have other people when you're not feeling too strong that will pick you back up again, so... That's however, how I handle the pressure in a long, very long-winded way. I like, I know, I, I, I like it. However, Saturday night goes, you know that Sunday morning, when the dust settles and when the bruises start to heal, you'll have that inner, super close inner circle that will tell you whether you were shit or not. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. We all need that. We all need that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like we do, though. We really do. <laughs> <laughs> it started with a near brawl at the Sumter Croft. It ends uh, thunderstruck at the Walker Dome uh, for the <laughs> unstoppable Rio. It doesn't end. It'll continue on, hopefully, afterwards. I was going to say, well, what's happening uh, <laughs> to me? He's having to do a death match or something. That's <laughs> it now. End now. That'll be it. <laughs> <laughs> all roads lead to Saturday. It is an international showdown that one can salivate over. The unstoppable Rio meets the original 
the OG badass in Mercedes Martinez. Rio, uh, no pressure, but the north of England and beyond is behind you on Saturday. And, <laughs> and if you. you do get a second place certificate, we will rip it up and tell you your shit. No pressure. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the things I need there. Thank you. That's what you need. That's what you need. Um, where can people find you online, Rio, if they want to keep in touch with you? Uh, so my Twitter is right. Are you ready? Rio, but R H I O. Twenty twenty. They're just the numbers. So R H I O two zero two zero. Or my uh, Instagram is Rio again. R H I O underscore wrestler. Now I that's... think I'm on that new thread thing as well. Yeah, that, you know... I'm are you on there now, are you? Oh, well, yeah. I'm trying. I might be on there. I've, I've, I've pressed a lot of buttons. Press next, 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 next. You know, when you're setting something up and you probably should read it. Well, I didn't. There's next, next, next. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll know if you are, because I will have tagged you in a, in a post that links to this interview. So that way we'll know. We'll, we will know by now. <laughs> North North Wrestling presents Thunderstruck Saturday, July 15th at the Walker Dome in Newcastle. It is Mercedes Martinez versus our castaway for tonight on Desert Island Graps, Rio. Rio, thank you for joining us and best of luck on Saturday. Come on! Thank you. Let's do it. Let's have it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 